Welcome, a belated episode 24 of the podcast. We are gathered once more um, as restrictions continue to ease. We're getting closer and closer to that that first annual get-together. Who knows when it will be? But here we are once again, virtually um, joined as ever by the two who have been keeping things, keeping the lights on, keeping the bills paid at No Cash No Code Towers. Uh, whilst I've been on some sort of uh, sabbatical over the last few weeks, um, I've got Tom. How are you, Tom? Hi, gents. I am very well indeed, thank you. Uh, just off the back of two days of cricket, football season is behind me. <laughs> cricket season is upon us, um, but. Nice to have a chance to connect with both of you and relive what was a very fun FPL season. Very fun indeed. Glad you're not wasting any time. Um, it's <laughs> multi-sport, Tom, <laughs> cracking through. Um, and and on the other side of the world, um, I think you guys might be in your fourth lockdown now, is it? How, how's things out in Singapore? Uh, it's not referred to as a lockdown when you're still allowed to, to walk in public. So <laughs> this is uh, lockdown light version 6.0. I am by the pool, so it could be worse uh, right could now. Could be a lot worse. A couple of early corrections on the podcast. You have not been, uh, you've been in hiding, basically. Since <laughs> your team started to tank, both uh, the real and fantasy, we haven't seen you. So it's good to know you're still around and ready around. for charging for next season. Uh, and Tom Maxwell, great, great to see you. I, I'm amazed you, ha- amazed you haven't mentioned Chelsea's victory yet. So let's get out of the way yeah. nice and early. No, congratulations. Oh. Well done, you guys. <laughs> Thank you, boys. That uh, It was a good day. Good day. Um, Excited to see what the boys look like next season and maybe a, a, a go at the title as well. Definitely. Uh, I, not something on our agenda. We're just hoping to, you know, play some football people actually want to watch. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, it was a fantastic season, according to Tom Maxwell, or stinkiest season of all time, according to me. But, you know, splitting hairs. Yeah. But let's talk a bit about it. So. Okay, gentlemen. Right. So what we're going to do is a quick recap of the season. Um, we could be here for days and days and days if we try to get into every storyline and every episode of every game week. Um, instead, I thought, why don't we start with some players of the season, um, just to give us a, give us a sense of perspective of what actually happened over the course of the year. Um, I'll turn to each of you for um, some suggestions, some nominees, um, and let's try and form a very quick consensus, if we can, around your goalkeeper of the year, Andre. Uh, this is a brilliant one for me, because it is uh, the Arsenal season in a nutshell. Martinez is clearly <laughs> goalkeeper of the season. Uh, the thing about high scoring players, like this won't just always be who's the highest scorer. Martinez is the highest scorer. But a high scoring player who does it when he's supposed to do it is invaluable. He gets clean sheets in the games he's supposed to get clean sheets. He hangs on for two points extra for saves against games like Liverpool. And he puts away all the, all the poor teams. So if he gets points yeah. over the year, plays Arsenal twice, gets six and nine. So he clearly knows what he's doing. He's a banker. He started off at 4.5. So for me, Martinez is definitely keeper of the season. That is a very strong argument for Martinez there, Tom. What do you think? Really strong argument, but he's not correct. Uh, Goalkeeper of the season clearly is King Meslier. 
Um, I knew it. Oh no! And, I did not. I well, wrote you down as Mendy. I wrote you down as Mendy. You went no, and I jumped in. <laughs> no, no. I mean, look, Mendy. Mendy obviously next season will be the goalkeeper of the season because he'll have you know a full season with that Chelsea defence, not conceding any goals. But um, Meslier also started at four point five, but was still at four point six, I think, until well into the second half of the season. Um, Leeds obviously had a phenomenal season. Uh, but King Mez, I mean, one of the youngest goalkeepers in the league. People were really not sure about him going into the season. Was he too small? Was he too fragile? Was he too foreign? Um, frankly, he has proved them all <laughs> wrong. Uh, Martinez, clearly the, the the goalkeeper that most people had. So if you were, you know, you weren't winning many points on Martinez on a week-to-week basis, whereas there were two or three of us in the league that had Meslier, Tom Everett, stuck with him for the whole year, I think, and it served him very well because every time Leeds kept a clean sheet, it was immediate bonus points because he was saving seven or eight shots a game. Um, so for me, uh, clearly, the Mez wins man- uh, goalkeeper season. Jeff, are you playing referee on this? Um, or like I'm, I'm, I'm going to. Your own nominee up? No, you, no. You, okay. No, so nobody I, tunes I, in for my for my yeah. under researched opinion on goalkeepers. So I'm going to counter you with the reason I didn't go in Meslier is, and we'll talk about this with some other players earlier. The thing with a 4.5 million def- uh, goalkeeper or any kind of rotation defender is that feeling when he's on the bench because you looked at the fixture and you thought, well, this is not the right one for me. I love the fact that Martinez, yes, he did get popular, therefore rise up in price, but you knew when to play him and you knew when not to play him. Whereas Meslier was one of the guys that, shout out Stephen Hill and uh, Luke Danes, was a bench point hoarder for a lot of people. And I hold that against him. But having owned only one of those two for any period of time. And that was only for about three weeks in Martinez. I clearly know nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I'm happy to go to the judges scorecard on this one. I think, I think the judges on a technical knockout, I would give it just purely for the too short, <laughs> too foreign statement oh, okay. won right. it for me Tom now we've absolute... established the rules okay yeah let's go. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, I, feel this like, is... I feel like this is going to be this is going to be 4-0 if we're doing this based on based on yeah. ability to argue one's point rather than actual facts I think we're, I think I've got yeah. an easy chance there we're long past actual facts on this pod <laughs> <laughs> this was this was supposed to be a gentle end of season wrap up and now it's on let's go it's on I see you might get on. first pick on defender then <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Tom. Well, Defender of the if, year, if, go for it. If oh, can, I give, Mar- can, I give, can I give one more honourable shout out actually on oh, goalkeeper? Yeah. I just realised I missed someone off. Um, shout out to Sam Johnson, like West Bromwich Albion, to rack up that many as many points as Mendy. Yes, Mendy did miss a few games because he wasn't there at the start of the season, but a West Brom keeper that none of us had, as you said, 4.5, 4.6 in the end of the season. I was doing a little bit of research on this. I was stunned to see a defence that was clearly stinky and have gone down, and yet he was able to produce that. So honourable mention to me, Sam Johnson. Penalty saves, I think, is what's done it for yeah. him. I think he saved two or three, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Uh, it was, uh, was low-key impressive. Anyway, moving on to defence. Um, well... If you thought Martinez was a lock, uh, I think uh, not only is this guy defender of the year, but I think would probably be my player of the season for fantasy football this year. Um, A man who I don't think played more than a handful of games in a defensive position. And even when he was playing in a defensive position, he was effectively playing as a sort of third striker. 
Um, he scored goals galore. He assisted goals. He probably should have had even more assists if Paddy Bamford had had a decent hit rate. Back to the well with my Leeds picks. But um, I mean, I think he did. He start at 4.5. Yeah, started at 4.5, yep. finished at 5.5. Mr. Dallas, um, Stuart Dallas, just streets ahead. Top defensive point scorer and was nearly two million cheaper than both Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold for the whole season. Um, love to know what if Andre could even consider anyone else. Boring pitch. That could not have been any more uh, refreshed, top of page, who got the most points. So I'm going to have to say, of course, he's the greatest. He's actually, in my opinion, potentially, having owned him for zero minutes this season, which is all you need to know about my fantasy year, he is potentially <laughs> the greatest FBL player of all time. Because he's made what Lord Lundstrom did last year look like, oh, yeah. like there was nothing. Like he's outscored Lord Lundstrom comfortably. As Max said, he is the dream of the OOP. Like you're always looking for that out of position player. Yeah. 4.5 at the start of the season. I've, I literally wrapped my brains desperately trying to find any reason not to give it to him. I tried to discount some points because he scores when he's not supposed to and you might have rotated him. But if you owned him, what are you doing rotating him? That's your fault. He's been nothing short of breathtaking. The only other nominees I could think of was the surprisingly high point scoring AWB at Man United. Sure got all the credit praise but uh Wan-Bissaka was actually higher out of the two I thought about Diaz because at least when you put him in you knew you were getting a clean sheet and it was only at the end when um Pep did the type of thing that lets you lose your entire season and maybe get smashed in the cup final because what were you playing at then if it wasn't for that Diaz would have outscored him but as much as I tried to split this one just to be fun you can't like literally top five all-time fantasy performance Dallas how about how about 17 points away at Man City without a clean sheet? Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. And that must be also the most recorded haul for Hurt yeah. and better but lucky than be good ever 100%. in the same week. Because he was on 100%. everyone's bench and then like 60% of, the, of our managers in our league randomly got him off the bench again. Uh, so that was one of the pivotal moments in the season. And to reiterate, not one minute playing for my team. Not one. <laughs> possibly the greatest player of all time anyway, I'll, I'll, so throw, I, I'll throw out one more honourable mention just because I owned him for most of the season and, and I loved him to bits is Matty Target from Aston Villa yep, I thought he had a fantastic season um, I think he was 4.5 for quite a bit of the year as well uh, there was a particular moment in the season where he had an assist to Watkins in the 80 something minute which would have yes, got him yes, clean yes, sheet yes. bonus points assist it got given as an own goal. Newcastle then went down the other end and scored. And I think he went from 12 points to two in the space of five minutes. And it really, really encapsulated all that we love and hate about FPL in, in a very <laughs> short space of time. Listener, if you've ever wondered what it's like to be a Singaporean uh, um, owner, uh, sorry, commissioner of a fantasy football league, that last 10, 15 seconds by Tom Maxwell, that is exactly what I woke up to. Tom sent me that verbatim as it happens live, <laughs> as we were both target owners at the time. And I reached a point in the season where I stopped going to BBC for my news. I would read my feed between Tom, Hill, Nevin, and a few others, because it was far more entertaining, apart from Corky's, which was just pure swear words. So, um, yeah, that was one of the moments of the season, definitely. I would like to go dishonorable mention for um, defenders. I'd like to name the second and third highest scoring defenders, TAA and uh, Robertson. Many of us went with double those two Liverpool defenders at the start of the mm. season because at that price, they're the, the 
cheaper than the midfielder. They can get the same amount of points. And it was proven to be correct. However, 160 odd points each with barren spells of not weeks, but months at a time. And just when you jumped on one, the other one scoring makes them everything to dislike about a high scoring player in fantasy football. So not only are you second and third, you're a distant second and third, as far as I'm concerned to Dallas in all accounts. So completely, completely agree with you, read the, the two Liverpool players, um, horrific seasons, um, fantasy wise. Love the shout for, our out of position champion this year. I think that's a category all onto itself for next year, maybe, you know, the greatest yeah. out of position player, because I think this overtakes um, the Sunderland, or is it Sunderland or Hull? Um, out oh, of here we go. Player. Uh, El Mahamedi. Um, El Mahamedi. Well done. Um, you know, for one of, for one of, one of the best <laughs> out of position players. Interesting. I've been just... As you guys have been talking about Wan-Bissaka and dishonorable mention for the Liverpool guys, the way fantasy scores the uh, defenders is actually something that I think might might be worth looking at in years to, in next next season because, and I say this only because the way fantasy awards blocks to defenders as points. So both Ben Mee, both Burnley centre backs lead the league in blocks, but they're very very low in fantasy scoring. So I wonder if that's going to be a thing for for years for the next years. Um, the way bonus points are allocated, especially clubs like Burnley, who don't do much either end of the field up until the last yep. few months of the season, where we were all jumped on that bandwagon way too late. Right, midfielders. I think that one was a draw. So let's uh, let's keep what, midfielders what, with Tom because he went for the same answer as me. Yes, but he also added in some additional. Um, <laughs> right, it, it was so it was so obvious. Come on, now. You, you, you get you get uh, you get mid midfielders, Tom. First, so we're going on table tennis serving rules. So you get to go twice back to back. Okay, um, so there probably were two options for me. Okay. One of whom is, and both. Both, I would say, well, none of them are in the top five point scorers, so I'm not having any more of Andre's deck. Okay. Um, one of them I, is right, the... Before you mention mine, I'm both... I've got two nominees and neither of them in the top five. Okay. So <laughs> one of them is the only player on the first page of top point scorers of midfielders, which I think is 20-odd players, who started at five million. Uh, and the second one, who I'm going to... No, do you know what? I'm going to go for him. Thomas Suchek. Five million, 147 points. Um, A lot of people, again, got hit by a lot of bench points. I was certainly one of them. It got to the point where I was so frustrated that I just sold him just because I couldn't be bothered to have him sitting on my bench scoring points every week. But in what was a terrific season for West Ham, a guy who none of us had heard of going into the year, um, you know, I, I think he's certainly not going to be five million quid at the start of next season. There's one other person who scored 10 points more than him, who I think most would have thought, given the the, the amount of noise around him, scored a lot more points than him. But he was 0.5 more expensive. And so I'm going Thomas Suchek. Wonderful shout. Thomas, Wonderful. Who's your other one? Do you want to name the other? Let's name both. So, I mean, Gundogan, Gundogan is the other one, but he yeah. only scored Good. 10 points more and was half a million quid more expensive. So we can both push on Gundogan because that was my one of my two. Uh, and I thought that would be yours as well. So that, let's take those both out of the equation. Gundogan, 
for the consistency. Again, Pep ruins everybody, but if he just carried on playing him in the same position, in the same formation, he could have ended up being top scorer in the entire league instead of uh, ended up with the end of season whimper. And then I'm being asked to play holding the field in the Champions League final with absolutely no support around him, having not done that all year long. Nice move, Pep. Uh, so we both discount them. Um, I did look at Suchek, however, and I'm going to try and influence the judges here. Most... Best fantasy season. I think I used this quote talking about a striker earlier in the year, but if tree, woods, no one hears, does it make a sound? <laughs> Suchek was the owner of bench points. Like, I, I don't think he ever scored a point knowingly while in someone's starting lineup. It required <laughs> at least two COVID-related illnesses for him to get on people's pitches. So, yes, it was a decent score, but I don't think there's a single person, if you poll the 30-man league, uh, that would have said, yes, Suchet's helped me get to me, get me to my position in the league where I am, unless they're in the last five or six players in the league overall. So, for that reason, I'm going to discount him. And right. I'm, then, I'm at the same time going to cut... The, at knees my own argument for my favourite player <laughs> I think it's the best one because not a single person owned him at all anyway fans of pre-season studying for fantasy football would have had a short list of a few names one of the big bits one of the fun bits one of the bits has already got me excited for next season uh, okay, Aston Villa I'm going to buy all the guys you'd be looking at is working out who's going to come up and be the uh, FPL Twitter word here talisman for their team you don't get a much better talisman than the 10th highest scorer, I believe. I've got the league in front of me right now. Pereira, West Bromwich Albion, outscoring the KDBs of this world. He came into the league as being the guy, if they score, it's going to be through me. He dominated Arsenal, which is the only live games I watch, unfortunately. He looked brilliant in every highlight reel that I saw of him and had the points to match it in a West Brom team that was god-awful. I know that's the second time I've mentioned a West Brom player with a bit of a doff of a cap, but to have that many points in that team as a creative midfielder, for me, it's embarrassing. He wasn't at least the fifth midfielder for every team for most of the season. So I'm going to leave my shout-out to Pereira. So I'll tell you why he wasn't in anyone's team, and it's because more than a quarter of his points were scored in four game weeks. He scored 21 points against Chelsea in one week. Uh, before that, I think he'd only... Before that, he'd scored more than, more than 10 three times. And that was in game week 30. So, although, don't get I'm, me wrong... But Dallas did the Chelsea same. Like, there were some lumpy, lumpy games from Dallas too. Yeah, no, that's fair. But Dallas scored nearly 100 points more than him. Yeah, fair. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> That's a good argument. Um, You've got up a good argument there, but for me, a top I mean, 10... There's, there's an it, argument what, that what Harrison, Harrison would be a better shout. He scored more points, probably more consistently, and still was in no one's team. I just couldn't bring myself to say Harrison because of the joy of watching Rafinha in the team and, and just having that guy in your squad. Amen. Whereas for me, Amen. having a fantasy football player who gets you the points when they're not expected, and is a joy to watch and Pereira is a joy to watch so for me he's he's probably my second biggest FOMO player wish I'd had him in my team to enjoy him more but that's not how necessarily everyone's going to score this he, he dropped from despite being in the top 10 point scorers he dropped from 6 million to 5.4 over the course of the season which is I mean how does that even happen <laughs> yeah people just didn't like how many points he was scoring don't need him get him away <laughs> <laughs> well I'm going to have to move this along at some point and two very strong arguments, Suchek and Pereira, both featuring in the top 12 of midfielder points in the, in the season, both 
I would say, for hipster choices, uh, which I'm surprised to hear from Andre Clark, uh, um, known as the anti-hipster. Me too. Me too. <laughs> um, but on this occasion, I think split decision, the third judge, I'm going to award it to Andre on this count, simply because of the pre-season work and the pain Pereira caused, especially to his Arsenal team. So that takes it for me. Suchek is a wonderful shout, um, but maybe maybe expectations actually could have could have led to a bit more I'm going to put one more, more thing. I, now you've done it score. The other thing that discounted Suchek for me was when Lingard arrived from Man United and changed that team completely overnight. Like Lingard almost got a shout out for me because that was one of the most what was his name Papa Cisse moments we've seen in fantasy football for a little while now to arrive in a transfer window and absolutely dominate everyone's fantasy football teams overnight while in the same team anyway moving on moving on Andre this is the final category we're up to the attacking end of the field who is your player of the year Bamford haha <laughs> sorry about that I've gone first good luck uh, having been corrected by Tom Maxwell early on in the season uh, to a point where we've even doing these awards because of this conversation I said something ridiculous about DCL versus Bamford and I was proven to be categorically undeniably undisputably wrong uh, so Bamford and I'm not going to say anything else over to you yeah, no, completely fair. Uh, don't 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 really have any complaints about that. Other than if you're if you were gonna start a conversation about Jesse Lingard, a man who basically only scored That's points my other in one. four games in the whole season, then how about a guy who ended up with twelve goals and he'd scored once before game week twenty five? Ian Abdo was in everyone's fantasy football team by the end yep. of the season. Bamford barely scored more than 10 in a single game. Ian Acho did it three times in five games. And frankly, next season is going to be laughably expensive. Otherwise, every single person will have him in their team. I'm not going to lie to you. When the rules of this podcast changed into being competitive, poor Ian Acho got bumped down the list. He was originally going to be my choice. If I, if I, if I wasn't allowed to win with, with, with Dallas... Then no, 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 I'm not going to win with Bamford. It's a tie. It's a definite tie. <laughs> it's, um, it's a tie that, that finishes up. I've, I've got Bam- Ineacho Bamford would have been my top two. Um, uh, it doesn't make for good screen. podcasting content, but Andre just showed us his screen. <laughs> oh, dear. Cool. Let's, let's roll on then. Let's call that one a tie. Uh, Meslier, Stuart Dallas, Thomas Uchek, and Bamford um, are players of the year. Um, right, next, we are looking more closely at the parish of No Cash, No Code for the most improved manager. So we all know how the table finished, which is a reflection of how people performed. But who was your Maybe. most improved? Who was your most improved? I've got some statistics to um, open us up with. Tell us the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just my, one, my one won't show up on the stats. Oh, really? Okay. My one definitely will. Right. So I've done two points comparisons, just points hauls, because I wasn't able to find the overall rankings. Should we give our nominees before you tell us the answer? Because it could really kill the punchline when you destroy us. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, I'll I'll write these down. Allow Tom to serve first. There is only one answer. Uh, He's called Tom, and it's not me. Uh, Tom Everett. Um, is by some distance the best, most improved manager, purely on the basis that last season he wasn't even a manager. 
And so you can't get more improved than not being a manager to being in the top six ahead of a number of people who would consider themselves to be, you know, Champions League chasers based on the fact that you boys wrote him him off at the start of the season. And he ended up... He ended up until that last couple of weeks when he when when he flew past. He was ahead of Freddie Williams all the way through. Um, so, I mean, for me, there's absolutely no doubt that Tom Everett is the most improved manager. Okay, so I think you have to minus points of his argument because the passion he says the name Tom with is just um, it's just not it's not, it's not pretty to listen to, to be honest. Uh, and I'm going to see your Tom, who wasn't a manager of his own decision because he was a uh, dormant manager for a period of time. He somehow managed to get himself back into the league. He's controversial. He pulled a Freddie Jones, uh, but he, he managed to, there was improvement. I see you 10, 15 weeks off last season, and I raise you five no cash, no seasons off. He had not been seen around this parish for years. He had always been below Colin Dash. In no cash, no code. John, <laughs> I've been secretly training like Rocky up a mountain, Missouri, came back with a absolute, a plum, a bang, whatever you want to use. And it was, it's his greatest ever season, easily by some distance. He was never in any danger of not being a top 10 uh, manager overall. And I'm still not entirely sure if he's actually logging in himself or he's found some kind of ringer. So for me, it's John Missouri, Tom Everett, we knew could be good, but he chose not to last year. John Nazori, we knew, know is not good at fantasy football. We've got years of data to prove it. And the reason I say I don't think he'll show up on your charts, Jeff, is because he was MIA for the, it, when stats were gone. So Yeah, he had two years off. So you, you're absolutely... Yeah. <laughs> he's, had, he's had the last two years off. Um, John came into this averaging 1,800 points a year. All right. And this year pulled pulled twenty three hundred out of the bag, which is which is in itself just phenomenal. Like it's plus four hundred. Can, can you see the ranking? What was his average? No, not yet. I can't okay. see. Sorry. I can't see that. I've just got the points. So I know he's plus five hundred on his on his average points haul. Um, Tom Everett's on the same benchmark. So against his average is actually very, very close to that at plus 350. So they're very, they're both very well performing managers. Um, you're right, Andre, when, he, when you look at, when you try to make the differential to last season's points, which was the first thing I did, um, I have to discount John because he didn't play last year. But, but from the rest of the field, the person who beat last year's points by the most was Tom Everett by 508 points year on year. To put that in may context, I, go ahead. May I add some more evidence then, please, uh, to, to help my argument? <laughs> uh, so I've had some statistics sent to me by a gentleman called uh, Tom Maxwell, and he's managed to find the season analysis of everyone, like what their all-time ranking is. Oh, amazing. The all-time ranking for Tom oh, Everett. Who's this, who's this loser who spends time after the end of the season looking at this stuff? Tom Maxwell of this parish. So Tom Maxwell has provided stats. Here's some good ones for you. Freddie Williams' lifetime uh, ranking is... 2,473. Stephen Hill, 2,269. Shout outs. Uh, Tom Everett, 680,182. 
John Missouri, 1.1. Can I stop? Can I stop? <laughs> that is unbelievable when your all-time ranking is over a million to drop in where he finished in the league. So I'm going to keep fighting for this one. Yeah, clearly. Um, but I think... <laughs> <laughs> so, for, so for me, the evidence sways more towards somebody who's actually got a more consistent record. You know, there are no gaps in Tom Everett's record. You know, he puts up, albeit some... You know, he's put up plus 2,000 points in more than half of the seasons he's ever played, which a lot of people haven't done. And I know points are somewhat subjective to the season. Uh, ranking is probably the, the more accurate way to go. And I'm sure at some point over summer, somebody will pull together a, a full portfolio of rankings. But just the eyeball test tells me that Tom Everett is the most improved over last year, as opposed to starting from scratch. If John had put up a score last year, we'd be able to know whether maybe he secretly had a score last year on a different email address. And he actually, That's maybe very this is, fair. Maybe this is a down year for, for John Nazori based on what he did last year. We don't know. That's very know. fair. I, I've had some insights. I've seen him, but you're right. If you take it that way around, if last year he finished number three in the world, then this actually would be a terrible year. So I'm willing to give that. And there is an extra caveat, isn't there? Freddie was almost... Um, uh, Tom was almost not even in the league. So to finish that high when you were yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, on appeal allowed in. Fair enough. All right, here he goes. I'll say it. Tom Everett, good season. Well done, you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. That really yeah. hurts. <laughs> a, a, a phenomenal season um, and well-deserved. Right. Who else had a phenomenal season? Now we've 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 anointed most improved manager, but let's talk in more general terms. There is one person who just I mean Where to start? Where to start indeed. Uh I'll go first. Um Ruin the League. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> every, every few seasons we have phenomenal years where we have just like really good contests to see who's going to win the league and it goes up and down and jockeys around and we've had a few really dominant seasons we had Freddie Williams's second title I remember uh, Stephen Hill's first where no one really came close we had a kinder that was trying or we'd have some plucky people who would get within 100 or 50 or so this level of dominance was the reason why the No Cash No Cup was created to give everyone else a chance to have something else to win someone to run the table for as long as he did and to win the cup as well hold the cup retain the cup this is the Stuart Dallas of no cash no code quite frankly it is an unbelievably breathtaking performance I wrote it down in the schedule as being a Damien appreciation section there are no adjectives that can't be used for this this gentleman has been an the whole way through listen so here's your moment timestamp well done you um, humble in his defeat last year focused in his win this year and if you check the tape the man I named was going to win the league this year in well done you that is my Damien section the Damien section very good um, Damien Damien actually came second to Tom Everett in um, actually no tell a lie so when I look at the diff point differential from last season to this uh, Tom comes, Tom Everett is top. Tom Maxwell is second, beating his last year's score by 332 points. And sitting company behind them at 289 points plus is 
Damien, what a season it's been for him. Just about every pick has has gone right so far throughout. Um, you can't really... I, I look across every single game week and look at the game week points and it's just hit after hit after hit, week in, week out, just not actual chips used, but great scores, you know, hard to argue with. Other Consistency. Other people might have got the top score that week, but he was never, never far away. Um, always, always hitting the um, the mark when it comes to his picks. His team value, he finished the season with a very good team value, which is a sense that you're picking the right players and letting them go at the right times. 105 million, um, 105.6 million, which was uh, the fifth, most valuable team in the league. Um, Nick Mick won that particular award. But I think, you know, what Damien's shown with his picks and when he's letting go of people as well is that he's making good time. Um, any words to add on that, Tom? Uh, just just so much love for the guy. Um, never met him, but love him. And uh, you look yeah. at his, his, his overall ranking through the season... Is one of the most orgasmic things I think I've ever seen in my entire life. He finished <laughs> in his highest point at his best at his best level of the season, three hundred and seventy eighth in the world. I mean, you don't really need to talk any more than that. But he went he went from one million in game week three. He broke into the top hundred k in game week fourteen. He broke into the top twenty k, ten k in game week nineteen, and then he never left. He never no, left, Lance. He never left. Unbelievable. And, you know, as someone who was really pleased with their season and was trucking along, trying to trying to trying to attack the top, I was playing for second place from such a long way out. And uh, and that's just down to him. Super. Yeah. He was Super also the seven thousandth person in the world to register a team. Um, loved it. Loved I've refreshed it. twice. Loved I've refreshed twice this week already. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I mean the, right. the bookies the bookies are it's gonna be fascinating to see what the bookies do with his price the next season because um yeah. Freddie Williams is not going to be happy about this year. And we know that winning the title two years in a row is tough. So um fascinated. Yep, only three have done it. Right. Moving swiftly along. Um, let's let's not do the... Um, uh, I had mentioned we're going to talk about the... Uh, well, I'll do it very, very quickly. So the month, Manager of the Month winners, uh, just to finish um, talking about Damien and his many, many prizes, he got two of those uh, and was seconds twice. So he was always there or thereabouts, as you said. Uh, the winners of the Manager of the Months for the year were Nevin for September, Obviously, Johnson did Johnson things in October. Uh, Tom Maxwell uh, got November's, Damien December, Nevin in January. That was a real slobber knocker because that was one, two, two, one. Uh, then Corky took his February prize. Um, Danes, his closest friend in the league, got the very next one. Corky had just pipped out Danesy. Uh, then we had April was won by Freddie Williams. And then Damien rounded off the season as he's supposed to with the final manager of the month. Very good. Very, very good. Now, we are... Fast running out of time on this pod, but we would yes. be remiss if we did not touch upon um, our preseason predictions. So well, let's let's have a quick look through them, and I think there are some that we'll be able to move on pretty quickly from, yeah. uh, so that we can get through as many of them as we can. Um, but basically, the game is: I'll, I'll give you the, the the name of the individual. We'll do it in order of the league, and you two tell me where you think you predicted them to be, and we can have a good old laugh about it. Okay. Um, 
So the top six is actually not that fun for a couple because both of you had uh, uh, Damien and... Is that right, Damien and Nevin? No, actually, that's not true. Both of you had Damien in the top six. So that was yep. easy enough. Nevin, Jeff had where? Uh, Champions League chases? Yeah, yeah. So okay. you're only one out. Andre got okay. it spot on. Tom Maxwell in third. Just have a guess. Jeff, I'll start with you. <laughs> roost, coming home to roost. I've been looking forward to this for 30 weeks. I've been looking forward to this since that podcast you two did without me with your predictions. And I remember exactly where I was listening to it. I was spitting at furious. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh you know it's motivational. Um, I'm gonna say mid table. Not even mid table. I'm so oh. close to swearing, but I know we'd have to put an explicit mark on the podcast. <laughs> Up for the cup. You have me. Well, Up that's not a good thing. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. And Andre Clark had me in mid table security as well. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, shocking. Anyway, it, it was my motivation. It was my fuel all season. Uh, what about Stephen Hill? Uh, Andre, where do you think you had him? Uh, I know because he texted me straight away afterwards. I put him as the uh, Champions League chasers. Correct. Which, I mean, you're one off. That's that's fair enough. Exactly, Stephen Hill. Exactly. Although you did have Jeff Moy in, in the top six above him. So I, I can sort of see why, why he might have been frustrated. Emotional hedge. It yeah, that nice fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, JB, that was a good pick from you. Top six for Stephen Hill. Very impressive. Freddie Williams, boring. Top six came fifth. Fine. Tom Everett, sixth place. Where do you think you had him, Jeff? Tom Everett. Now, I based a lot of my prediction on historic performance. So I'm going to go with Champions League chasers. No. You had him as a relegation. <laughs> you had him in the bottom six and he came in the top six I think Andre, you know what I think Andre that his stats was, was one better Andre was one his, better yeah. His, yeah. He, he's got yeah. a bit of a ski uh, a ski slope you know kind of trajectory he's kind of he's bottomed out which turns out to be last year and then this year he's on the way up so good for him yeah well done him yeah. <laughs> I, I, on, on that I, last I, note on the on the big six so I've got the scores in front of us and we both scored 10 points in our top six predictions, we were tied on the season according to the Nick Mix scoring charts. Fair enough. Do you want Do you want to go through all of them, or shall I now go to the bottom no, of the six? Just pick, pick pick the ones that we got most wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, seventh place, Jeff. Where did you have Nick Mix? Do you think? I think I would have had him in mid table. Yeah, afraid so. Andre got it right with Champions League. But mm. mid-table obscurity for Nick Mick uh, is certainly at least... I mean, given he was top of the Champions League chasers, that's um, that's pretty harsh. Jay Brick, you both had in Champions League chasers, so that was good enough. Tom Kane, uh, Jeff got right. Andre had top six, so just slightly outside of that. Then we've already touched on John Missouri. Where do you think you both had him? 
relegation. I had I had John <laughs> in the bottom. Yeah, I think I would have had John in the bottom. I was not expecting. Oh, absolute rock bottom. Uh, <laughs> so I think Ainbrook had that last. Well. Not even that relegation last. <laughs> Corky, Corky, one, one Champions League chaser, one mid table obscurity. So that was broadly in line. Pretty close. Yeah. Um, I think we did pretty well there. You did pretty well there. Ed Mullane. Uh, both both had him up for the cup and he came twelfth. So I think he can he can take a good he can take good thumbs up there. Jeff, when do you have Andre? Before I answer that question, no one came here to hear this. 